Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. This episode is brought to you by Tangle Teaser and Fine and Fragile. Their just-launched detangling hairbrush that's been proven to cause five times less breakage on fine, fragile and colour treated hair. Hello, hi and welcome to another episode of the Emma Gunn Show. I am your host, Emma Gunn Awardner, and in this episode I am joined by trichologist Ian Salas to discuss everything to do with hair loss and hair thinning. From the differences between the different types of hair loss, the different types of hair thinning, what can cause them, to the various solutions available that can help. Now, you know this is a subject that's very close to my heart, having had alopecia in my teens and having fine and thinning hair now. I was so pleased to be able to A, collaborate with Tangle Teaser on this episode because I've been using their brushes for years and the creator, Sean Palfrey, was a very early guest on this podcast. If you scroll back through the archive, it's a fascinating episode. And B, to be able to have someone on the show who is able to speak with authority on the topic is something I've been trying to do for a while and Ian really doesn't disappoint. All the links to everything featured in this episode will be included in the show notes which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode. Enjoy! Well this is a long time coming and I'm so happy to have you on the show Ian. Ian Salas listeners joins me. He is a trichologist and This episode is really going to focus on fine hair, thinning hair, and all of the issues around hair loss or hair thinness, because it's a a really meaty, big subject affecting a lot of people. It's a huge subject, so strap yourselves in. This might be a long (laughs) podcast. Well, that's fine. I have no problem with that. Um, But I think to sort of go back to why we're even having this conversation, I've talked on this podcast before about uh, having alopecia as a teenager related Mm. to hormones. My hairline is patchy. I spray on hair fibres and all that kind of stuff. And I um, I, I use products to help all the time. But actually, the emails and messages I get from listeners really is about, well, why is this happening to me? And when you start to unpick it, when you start to go into an internet search, there are so many different types of hair loss. There are so many different types of hair thinning, which is completely different. So we have an expert here who can actually explain what the differences are and why you may be experiencing Mm -hmm. them. So what's kind of the good grounding, the good starting point for this? So so hair loss 101 probably is that 
there is not just one type of hair loss. Mm-hmm. So when you when you research hair loss on Dr. Google, you will come <laughs> up with usually companies that are trying to sell you a product. Mm-hmm. And that is probably the, the last thing that you want at the moment because hardly anything that you just pick up off the shelf will work for you. Not because it may be ineffective, but you don't know what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And hair loss is has so many different facets. It could be nutritional, it could be hormonal, it could be genetic, it Mm. could be mechanical, it could be one of those things all wrapped up into one, or it could be a number of other things that can be, you know, stress, uh, things that have happened to you recently. So it's not, hair loss just isn't hair loss. Mm. So there are certain different factors that you have to do. And probably the most important thing that you need regarding hair loss is a diagnosis. Great. Okay, brilliant. Because that brings me on to another point. I think we're so used to seeing all these airbrushed images in magazines of people with full hair and Mm. I've been on photo shoots. I know that strips of hair are laid out and added to people's heads before a picture is taken. So there's also, do you also feel that there's a disconnect between what people see as healthy hair and the reality of hair as well? Hugely. Mm -hmm. There is a, there's people, I've got young kids and they are not allowed to just be normal anymore. They have to be super thin, super thick hair, Mm. super everything. You can't just be a normal person anymore because when you look at what your Instagram feeds and all these mm. all and, and celebrity feeds and things like that, it's just it's a it's a disconnected, disproportionate effect. And when it comes to hair loss, mm. when was the last time you had you had a celebrity suffer from hair loss? Mm. I mean, men a little bit more, but if you go into the history of hair loss, when I grew up in the seventies, there was two bald men on the TV. That was Telus of Alice and Yul Brynner. <laughs> and they looked strange. Everybody else wore toupees. So you're talking about your... Um, you right. Yeah. So you're, you're talking about Paul Daniels, Bruce Willis, Bruce Forsyth. All these people covered up their hair loss. Yes. And all of a sudden there's like a big question mark. Just, just, You've just seen the light bulb mark, yeah. go up. <laughs> and then what happened was, um, I mean, in the 80s, if you shaved your head, you was a bother boy. You was a thug. <laughs> so you couldn't shave your head at that point. So you're only talking about 30 years ago. Mm. Yeah, Mitchell Brothers. Yep. <laughs> so then what you had was Magic Johnson and then David Beckham. They mm. shaved their heads and then all of a sudden it started to be cool for men to shave their heads and not look like a thug. Mm-hmm. So all of a sudden Bruce Willis did, ditched his, his hairpiece and all these people started mm. to embrace the shaved head look. Mm-hmm. And now... If men wanted to, they've got an option not to have hair. Right. But for women, you s- there's still no thinning-haired celebrity that people can look up to. Mm. There's people with alopecia. You know, there's there's some some celebrities with mm. alope- alopecia, like Gail Porter, mm. who really, really fly the flag for hair problem and, and not hide it. But people like that find it really, really hard. And at the moment, there's no celebrity that will can just go... I've got thinning hair. My mm-hmm. hair was was thick. I've still got hair, but it's not as much. Mm-hmm. I wonder what's happening. You're not allowed that. So what could be happening? Um, well, for as, as a rule of thumb, if you go through like this, um, this process of elimination, if somebody came to me, a female, um, 
usually below the age of the menopause. Mm -hmm. You'd look for nutritional issues. Mm -hmm. Perimenopausal and postmenopausal, you'd look for both nutritional issues and hormonal problems. Mm -hmm. uh, medication does come into both sets as well. So sometimes contraceptive pills are, are not great for women mm -hmm. um, or the wrong contraceptive pill. But um, a lot of the times it's either medication, nutrition or hormones. Mm -hmm. And that is thinning hair. So that is a global amount of hair, but it's just significantly less. There's hair still growing, but the density has changed. So it's not fewer hair strands, it's thinner hair strands. No, not thinner hair strands. So your hair, you've got two, two forms of, this is why it's really complex. Yeah, yeah. So you've got hair per square centimetre. In some people, that doesn't change. But the amount of hair which grows over a certain amount of time does your hair is actually 4D. There's length, breadth, width, and time attached to your hair. Oh, goodness. Yeah, we're going deep. <laughs> <laughs> so when you think of your hair cycle, mm. your hair has to grow for a certain amount of time for it to be thick because it's just a clump of fibers which are all growing together. Mm. When that cycle's disrupted, the hair cycle starts speeding up. And that means that not all of your hair is at the same length anymore. Oh, I see. So the shedding phase, are you talking about that's when that maybe gets accelerated or um, it comes around quicker? It comes around quicker. Mm -hmm. So that means that if I shaved that person's head and counted the follicles, they'd have exactly the same amount of follicles, but it's not growing the way it did. Right. So the density changes, but that's different to the amount of follicles per square centimetre that disappear, which is more genetic. So all these variables come into play when somebody goes, I'm losing my hair. Okay, just to clarify here, because I just want to make sure anyone listening is really clear on this. So in terms of hair thinning, you've got this uh, speed element, shall we, time element yeah. that can cause thinning, because all the hair is not coming out of the follicles at the same time in its, in its lovely phased growth pattern. Yeah. But then you also have hair thinning, which is the... Um, uh, the Follicle miniaturization. <laughs> decrease in... I was, like, I was coming up with some weird yeah, yeah. word then in my brain. So follicle... So that's when the, the strand gets thinner, the diameter of the, the hair. The diameter of the hair gets thinner and you don't get as many hairs per hair follicle growing because you don't just have one hair per hair follicle. Mm. You have up to about four. So these clumps... Really? In, yeah. So all these clumps in women, you get something called light phasing. And that's when... The, the multiples of follicles start disappearing. So you so the fours turn into threes, the threes turn into twos, mm -hmm. the twos <clears> turn into singulars. Now with women, the singulars usually just hang around. You usually get one good hair per hair follicle still, mm -hmm. but the multiples have gone. So that's where right. you get that fine looking hair, that shadowing that you get on the top of a, pair, of, a, of a woman's scalp sometimes. And that can be usually due to genetics or a hormonal contraception pill or some hormonal issue like polycystic ovary syndrome. Mm. So when someone turns around, and, and this is why you can't just reach for a bottle or right. reach for some pills, mm. because those things, if you've got a low iron level, that shampoo isn't going to raise your iron level. Mm. If it's a thyroid problem, the shampoo isn't going to make your thyroid better. Mm. You've got to get that diagnosis. So who, So just to clarify, I've got those two types of hair thinning, and then uh, we have things like alopecia. Oh, there's, there's, that's the two types of hair thinning that we've discussed. Right. <laughs> Crivens. So, We're going to have to call for lunch. <laughs> yeah, so, um, so then you've... Uh, well, 
probably the most, when people talk about hairless, they talk about alopecia. Mm. Now, alopecia is what you suffered from. Mm-hmm. And that is an autoimmune problem. But alopecia just means hair loss in a dead language, ancient mm-hmm. Greek. So when you go to your doctor with hair loss and he turns around to you and say, I've got, you've got alopecia, he's told you that you've got hair loss in the dead language. He hasn't told you anything different. Mm-hmm. You know you've got hair loss. He's just told you it back. Right. It's the other part of that word which is important. Is it alopecia areata? Is it in patches? Is it mm. totalis, full head? Mm. Is it universalis, the full body? Is mm. it barbeard, the beard? And all these things are to- tell you where the areas are. Yeah. But those are mainly autoimmune problems. So that's the body attacking itself. But it can attack itself in different waves mm. or in different ways. Mm. Um, and that's the, and that's where, you, where doctors turn around and go, there's nothing I can do. There's no cure. Well, no, there isn't a cure, mm. but there is certain things that the doctors can put in place to help. So again, I get people that come to me with alopecia, they've seen the doctors and the doctors have just thrown their hands up and gone, there's nothing you can do. And people, again, are concerned and they don't like just to sit on the hands. So that mm. then they start looking for things. Mm. And there is things that you can do. There is make sure that, that again, vitamin and mineral deficiencies are, are not that playing a part there's steroid lotions or autoimmune immodulators that you can put on the scalp to help Mm. with um with either inflammation or reducing that uh, immune response in that area Mm. so there's things that i tend to write to the doctors and go you can try this you can use that it's not a cure but it can help but again there is nothing that i would tell somebody to go and buy off the shelf okay so it's this is very interesting because you're absolutely right. It's that thing of it's like when you, I don't know if you've ever had this problem, but I'm sure women listening will understand that feeling when you go to put on a pair of jeans that you haven't worn in a while and they feel a bit snug and you get very hot in the back of your neck and you think, right, that's it. And you immediately get rid of any junk food in your kitchen. It's a bit like that with, with hair loss. You want it to be that thing of, right, I'm going to start doing something different from now, from yeah. this second, because I want it to be fixed. Yeah, I want I'm... it to be better. So that's when you go... And you buy something that on the packaging might say improves hair growth. There's there's lots of things that you that that marketers tend to say, which in your head you hear it grows hair, mm. but when you look at it, it makes no sense at all. Like increases uh, root strength, mm. uh, or these types of nondescript bizarre sayings that actually don't mean anything at all can you increase root strength no okay (laughs) okay interesting so there are lots of things that well you talked about having a diagnosis yeah so let's talk about that so if somebody's listening to this episode and first of all they think i think i've got a thinning hair but having listened to these two chat now i don't know whether it's thinning because of x or because of y or because of z I don't think I've got alopecia. So what steps do they take back? Like, where do they begin? Yeah, well, it's, again, this is where problems start happening. You've, you've realised that there's a problem. Where do you go? Um, obviously, um, if you're near one of my clinics, you're more than welcome to come in and see me. However, it's usually the first part of call should be your doctor. Mm-hmm. Now, doctors aren't great with hair loss because, in all honesty, there's not very many forms of hair loss which are caused by severe illness Mm. these are people that are not particularly well but not ill now doctors deal with illness not wellness yes and let's also talk about the fact that hair is essentially a non-essential part of the body so so don't expect much sympathy from your 
from your NHS doctor because basically they are really underfunded and overworked. Mm. And somebody going, I've got hair thinning, when the last person had just had a heart attack and the next person's got cancer, mm. according to him, you haven't got a problem. They've got a problem. Mm. You haven't. But it's such a psychological and emotional problem. Mm. It doesn't cause... Uh, physical ailments it causes psychological and emotional yeah. ailments and, and you see this in your clinics day in day Absolutely, out yeah. with people so but doctors are good at making sure that you're not ill so they'll be able to check your thyroid mm. they'll make sure that you're not anemic make sure that you haven't got any um hormonal issues mm-hmm. but the majority of people that i see They've been to the doctors and they've been ticked off as not ill. Mm-hmm. Now, what my job is, is to figure out why they aren't well rather than ill. So illness and wellness are two completely different things. So you would say uh, um, the exhibiting symptoms of hair loss, the hair thinning is a sign of being not well? In some cases, yes. Yeah. So that so, could be stress. Mm, stress is a, is a thing which I think is a bit overrated. Um, I don't tend to diagnose stress unless that person has seen a trigger or felt a trigger. If they've gone, my hair fell out last week and I had a shock three months ago, then yes, this right. is stress. Your body just needs to get over it. Okay. But the long chronic forms of hair thinning, mm. that usually isn't stress. That usually is due to either an underlying issue or even genetics. Genetic plays a massive part in female hair loss as well as male hair loss. Mm. Okay, so... What tests should somebody be asking for, whether they try and get them through their GP or they come to somebody like you? It's not as easy as that because <laughs> the tests would be... Um, the, it's not the case of the doctors do the wrong tests. Mm. Usually they do the right tests, but they interpret them incorrectly. So my sens- the sensitivities that I look at mm-hmm. in the tests are far greater than the sensitivities... Yeah, of course, because it's a specialised test. Yeah. For instance, mm-hmm. um, ferritin, which is a, a form of iron stored in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, for, there is scientific papers that say that that needs to be over 100. Now, anemia starts when ferritin goes below 15. So the doctors are looking for 15 or over. So mm-hmm. you could be 20 or 30 and they'll look at it and go... Yeah, it's fine. Right. Whereas I'd go, actually, that needs to be raised. We've talked about this on this podcast before, actually, with a hormone specialist about the different, basically, boundaries of what's normal and how a more in-depth test would flag up something that a regular test would not. Yeah, well, it's not even a more in-depth test in some cases. It's just a more sensitive set of eyes. Mm -hmm, mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So... Ferritin's one yep. that you would look at. What are the so other things? There's, well, there's ferritin, thyroid, vitamin B12, uh, folate, and then there's, if it's a female, then you've got the raft of the female and male t- uh, hormones to double-check that there's no um, hormonal issues. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is sort of what we tend to look at in the first-case scenario. Mm. And one in three women, I just want to make sure I get this right, one in three women are affected by hair loss at yeah. some point during their lives. Their lives. Yeah. And um, what is it? it? It just get, it gets more and more common as we age, as women get older. When you, The one in three women are people that suffer from excessive shedding through um, low iron levels because that's very common. Then you've got polycystic ovary syndrome and um, problems due to hormonal uh, problems with the contraceptive pill. Mm-hmm. 
uh, after the menopause, your estrogen reduces and testosterone can play more of a prevalent role in your hair growth. So mm-hmm. that means that your hair may start thinning genetically. And about 40 to 50% of women women's hair thinning happens after the menopause when testosterone starts having an effect. Right. So when you take all that into consideration and then postpartum hair loss and then shock hair loss and then alopecia, which is 2% of the population of the entire world, then yes, it's round about one in three women. Goodness. But you have busy clinics, is the point, is people are more aware of yep. this than ever before. Yeah, people are more aware, but they are getting more abused as well because it's seen as a growing market. Mm-hmm. So when people... You know, if you look at the hair loss, in inverted commas, cures that you get nowadays, there is thousands of them. Mm. And it's, it's a, uh, if somebody comes to see myself or a colleague mm. who's registered with trichological uh, societies, um, the Institute of Trichologists, the International Association of Trichologists, these people that have got codes of ethics that keep them in check, mm. um, or you've got the hair restoration surgeons because they're very good with general hair mm. loss as well or you've got some good dermatologists or good doctors who are just sympathetic mm. to hair loss and um, speaking of solutions and the things that we can do i'm sure we'll cover things like diet and it's not a case of just running down to your local health shop and buying a bottle of vitamin b12 and thinking that'll sort my hair out but one of the things that i think and which is great to be talking to you about today is about what we actually do when we're doing something that all women do every single day, which is brush our hair and style our hair, mm-hmm. because we know that, I mean, I don't use bleach, but I'm sure many of my listeners do. And you have, you take a dim view of bleach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't like bleach. <laughs> but also brushing and actually realising the the impact that, it, that's what you describe as the mechanical, isn't mechanical it? Mechanical hair loss, yeah. Mm. I mean, or mechanical hair breakage. Because people can, if they brush their hair too vigorously, um, then yes, they will cause their hair to break. Now, mm. the problem is that the susceptible people are the people with finer, thinner hair. Mm. And the people that tend to, like, a lot of people bleach their hair or process their hair because it actually damages the hair a little bit and plumps it up. Yep. So yeah. it causes it to look thicker, but then they take their old radial brush, which they've had for like 20 mm. years, and start sort of like ripping at their hair, and some of it will come away. Now, yeah, fair enough. Okay, let's say that every time you do that, you break five to ten hairs. Mm. How many times do you brush your hair a day? How mm. many times a week do you brush your hair? Mm. So it adds up. Mm. So you've got to make sure that your hair care regime if you're suffering from thinning hair or fine hair goes from diagnosis to treatment to care Mm. and that includes products and the brushes and the straighteners and the tonguing and all that lot and making sure that it's an entire package i always say that you've got to treat your hair like a piece of clothing rather than a body part so Everybody thinks that their bo- their hair tends to repair itself. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It's a dead appendage. There's no nerve endings, no blood, blood vessels. It can't repair itself. It doesn't hurt when it gets cut. It doesn't hurt when it gets cut, and that's why cutting it doesn't stimulate hair growth. Why that still is 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 apparent in in this in the twenty first century, I do not know. Hair also <laughs> doesn't grow after you're dead. The reason why is because you're dead. <laughs> but anyway, um, so anyone wondering. Yeah. The the, body, the the piece of clothing part of it is that you've got this this 
uh, Paint a picture fiber. for me here. Are we talking about a silk kimono? What kind of, you know, a beautiful a beaded wedding gown? Well, this is it. Something precious? Well, it's no, it, it is very resilient. It's, mm. it's quite a robust fibre. But after years and years of abuse, it doesn't become robust anymore. Right. Weathering, even if you don't do anything to your hair, it will still, um, it'll be, it'll have wind, it will have uh, UV light. And UV light is very damaging to hair, in all honesty. It does degrade hair fibres. Mm. So Which ev- would thin them? It would cause the internal parts of it to start breaking apart, breaking mm-hmm. down. You talk, if Again, going back to... If you think of, of this as a, a piece of clothing, you've got this really nice jumper that you like and you wash it every single day. Mm. Now, in several years' time, it might look a bit worn, mm. especially if you wear it every day. Mm. But you wouldn't be surprised at that. Yeah. You go, well, I've had it for a while and I wear it every day. So, I ju- so it's worn. But we don't have that same mentality with hair. Mm. And it's exactly the same process. Those fibres on your jumper are are as dead as the hair, as the fibres on your head. Mm-hmm. But we think that if we treat it with this miracle lotion that will, in inverted commas, repair our hair. Mm. If someone said to you, I've got something that to put on your jumper and it'll repair the, the hole that's caused by wear and tear, you'd go, no, that, that won't work. You're an idiot. Probably buy it first. <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't be surprised that, that it doesn't work. That mm. hole in your mm. jumper would still be there. Mm. And the damage that is caused by everyday wear and tear is still apparent the next day and the next day and the next day with Mm. hair. So care of hair should start from day one. Mm. The problem is that if if you've got hair which is about 30 centimetres, which is just past your shoulders, Mm. usually in in a woman, um, that's about three years old. So So... the hair that you go today, right, I'm not going to damage it anymore. You've already damaged it for three years before you've made that decision. Yeah. So this is a, a very long view that you have to take for hair. Mm. You know, if you start using these brushes, you're not going to see a miracle mm. overnight. So if you brush your hair and go, well, it's still a bit damaged and still a bit ratty and still a bit breaking. Well, yeah, of course it is because you've got three years previous to that mm. that you haven't cared for it. Yeah. But that hair which is growing will benefit yeah so you're looking at really long-term um uh, advantages if you start caring for your hair now but just don't expect it overnight and that's the problem with hair people expect it to deal to work like skin does so you put something on your skin it feels better instantly Mm. hair doesn't right so you've got 30 centimeter long hair so how long are we talking how many inches of hair have to grow before you will see benefits from having really amped up the care element of your hair regime? One centimetre a month, mm-hmm. and you damage all the hair from your scalp onwards. So that would be 30 months. <laughs> Quite. Obviously, if you're using better quality products, better quality brushes, then you will, you will not damage your hair as much moving forward. But what you don't see is that quick... Mm. It's brilliant now. You know, you're not going to wake up the next morning with amazing hair. Mm. It's a process and you've got to sort of commit to that hair. But you might do because I've just watched you do a demonstration about Fine and Fragile, which is the Tangle Teaser brush. And it's the teeth are 30% softer. Mm -hmm. 
So even that alone, surely on the hair that's older, does that, would that help smooth it out? Would that It'll help? help smooth it out and it won't break it as much. Yeah, it won't rag on it as no, much. It won't it pull, won't. yeah. But what you can't do is repair the damage which has happened before you started using those brushes. Mm. So it's always good to start using those brushes and, those, and products for hair as quickly mm. as possible. But what you can't do is go, well, my hair still feels fine and fragile and mm. things for several months later. Of course it will, because you're still brushing the same hair. Well, I blow dry my hair and I try to do it three times a week. So I try not to wash my hair every single day. And my dressing table, my seat is a long bench that's the length of my dressing table and it's white. And after I've blow dried my hair and I've done all the heat styling and damage, which I know is terrible for it, there is something that I have to do, and that's get a microfiber cloth and wipe off all the hair that's on the bench because there will be like a yeah. visible amount of shedding. I think it's. I think there's there's a really important point that I've got to stress is that when people come and talk to me and, and the one of the last questions is, so what can I do to my hair? Mm. Can I colour it? Can mm. I can I straighten it? Can I brush it? And the answer is yes, of course you can. You don't want to suffer twice if you've got fine, fragile, damaged hair mm. um, or, th- or thinning hair. You've got to use all those tools at your disposal to make your hair feel as nice as possible whilst your hair is getting better. Right. So you've got to use your hair and you've got to enjoy your hair. Mm. Um, Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The only way that you can never suffer from any form of damage is never colour it, never brush it, never wash it, stick it up in a bun and hide it under a hat. Now, that's not fun hair. You might as well not have Wouldn't it. Wouldn't it stink? Yes, <laughs> but that's natural hair. Oh. So, so your hair naturally will take care of itself. But we live in a really polluted environment. Is that true? Is that the whole thing of if you don't wash your hair for six weeks, it will self-clean? Or is Absolutely that not. No, no. It's like <laughs> not washing your body for six weeks and expecting it to self-clean. Okay. I, th- I think we've walked pe- past people in the streets and that really just doesn't, doesn't <laughs> fly, does it? Yeah. So, no, that is a complete misdemeanor. What happens is you get really, really greasy hair and then you get used to it. <laughs> but Can you even imagine getting used to greasy hair? <laughs> and you should... You need to make sure that you look after your hair, but use it. Mm. It's there to be used. Mm-hmm. It's an important factor of people's um, uh, IDs. It's an important factor, factor of them. So you not doing anything to hair is robbing yourself of your own identity mm. if you're scared about doing anything. So just do things in moderation. Make sure that you get kind brushes. Make sure that you mm. get good products. Make sure that you don't use severe bleaches on your hair Mm. everything's in moderation 
So it's just, you've just, like you said, you've got to treat it like a piece of clothing rather than a body part. Yeah, so when you have people come into your clinics, have women come into your clinics, and I can only imagine, because I've sat in front of somebody and cried before about the state of my hair, and I think even a couple of years ago I was very, I was given a free blow-dry at a really nice salon, and I just said, oh, I don't get good blow-dries because my hair's so rubbish that it all just, one gust of wind as soon as I walk out of the salon and it's all gone to nothing. And I had sort of resigned myself to the fact, oh, yeah, I've got rubbish hair, I've got rubbish hair. And it is really emotional. It does get get women down. So what are the things that you found, without just sort of placating them and saying, don't worry about it? And if i tell you one thing that really did used to annoy me. is when people say, well, if you stress about it, it'll only get worse. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, if I tell you not to think of a pink elephant... Exactly. What do you think of? Yeah. Exactly. So it's Quite. that type of thing. Um What's a really useful, meaningful piece of advice you can impart to somebody who is feeling down about hair loss, hair thinning, that actually you know, given right. your expertise, has uh, value? And I mean, there's, uh, well, I would say that at least 90% of female hair loss problems can either be cured or, or managed. Wait, could you repeat that, please? It can either be cured or managed. How many percent? About 90 that's really wonderful. Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, there are there are certain forms of permanent hair loss mm-hmm. which can't be helped, uh, but they can be managed so they don't get any worse. Alopecia is probably the wild, the joker in the pack because alopecia can come and go. Mm. And it can get worse. It can go again, and it can it can come back in little patches. So it's really capricious. Mm. But great word. Yeah, isn't it? Um, but. The majority of women that come into my uh, clinic, they've got either curable or treatable problems. Mm-hmm. So these are things that you can either, there's an underlying issue that it can either be cured or there's an underlying issue that can be treated with medication. This is where I'm going to start getting loud because I'm getting excited. So what we're saying here is that if you take that very crucial step back to diagnosis, yep. 90% chance your situation will then improve or can be improved. Can be improved, yeah. I mean, there's improvement may be that it doesn't get any worse. Ex- well, yeah. So, so, but that, but that, that fear of when's it going to stop? Am I going to go bald? Mm-hmm. Am I going to wake up tomorrow with all my hair on the pillow? Is, is usually sort of dissipated within the first diagnosis. Mm-hmm. And then we'll put on sort of a treatment map. Sometimes it works amazingly. Sometimes it's stubborn and we have to refer to certain other specialists. But there is definitely routes through, especially for females. Mm-hmm. Um, with men, it's more, pretty, it's more simple because it's mainly genetic. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two forms of, of treatment for male pattern health, which is minoxidil or finasteride. Mm-hmm. And the vast majority of women uh, of men do tend to um, have positive benefits on one of those medications, but it's a long-term treatment. Mm. So, you know, you've got to commit. So that's probably point one. I mean, the other point, which is more of a psychological um, advice, is is called the spotlight effect. And this is a well-known psychological phenomenon, which is where you focus on something far more than other people care about it. So there's this, this well-known... Um, the psychological effect where there was a group of people in a room. One of them was kept back from the room 
but he was told that everybody was wearing a certain T-shirt. So he had to get changed into the T-shirt. And it was a T-shirt with Barry Manilow on it. And the reason why Barry Manilow was on it, because they thought it was the most embarrassing person that they can think of on a T-shirt. <laughs> he walked into the room and felt an idiot because nobody else was was um, was looking at this T-shirt. Nobody else had this T-shirt mm-hmm. on. So they did this lecture. They was all taken out. And they asked this guy, how many people do you think noticed your T-shirt? And he went, oh, all of them. Now, then they asked the other group, what T-shirt did they add on? And only about two or three people managed to say what <laughs> T-shirt he had on. Mm. So what it basically shows is that you care about your appearance more than other people care about your appearance. Mm. And it's a really, it's a sad situation in all honesty, because nobody really cares about anybody else apart from themselves. But it's a really important um, piece of armament that people can can take with them mm. when they go out socially with hair loss or when they feel socially aware about their thinning hair. They are devastated about it, mm. but other people aren't particularly bothered. Mm. And it's it's a it's a reverse psychology that you can play on yourself, and it's like a trick that you can play on yourself, and it's something that people can go well. In all honesty, I can go out. Nobody's going to look twice at you in all honesty, but you feel as everybody is. And as long as you understand that relationship between you and them, Mm. then you might be able to go out a little bit more often. Yeah, because I've definitely, and I know friends who have definitely, um, well, (laughs) I've definitely not gone out because of my hair. I've definitely called in fat. I've definitely called in, like, nothing looks good on me today. And And I know that sounds really weak will. nobody cares. (laughs) But I felt more comfortable going back to bed. But that, but that's real. So that that isn't imagined. And I know I know exactly what you mean by the um, spotlight effect. Yeah. But it's a very real thing. Absolutely. But when you're in that situation where you're thinking, um, somebody's somebody's behind me and they're looking at my head. Mm. They they're knowing what I know. They really don't. Mm. They're just minding their own business, and and you're you're worrying because it's a big deal to you or not them. Yeah. Um, this is all really interesting. I think the ninety percent stat has really warmed my. That's only my statistic, heart. by the way. So, but it's, but yes, I would still stand by that. But that's so. That's you're saying ninety percent based on your experience as yeah. being a working trichologist with what is it, eleven clinics around the country? Yeah, and I don't I don't sell products. You know, yeah. you don't come into my my clinic and there's a raft of things like arm in arm that you're going to go out with. Mm. Um, you know, there's certain things that I would suggest. There's certain supplements for some cases that mm. I do. I've got my own supplement, but nobody goes out with with a armful of my supplements. It's on the website, and that if they are, is a protein supplement. So if anybody's a vegetarian or a vegan or think that they've got a low protein diet, then I tell them to go and have a look at it, mm. and then they can work out for themselves. I also tell them just to eat more meat or <laughs> eat more protein. So mm. either way works for me, as long as they know what advice to get. Yeah. Cause- um, I know as a beauty consumer myself, back in the day before I got into the industry, if I read an article in a magazine, or I would say online, but I think I might be a... don't know if the internet was around as much <laughs> then. But um, if, if I saw a little news thing that said, for stronger hair, mm. take this supplement, you bet yourself I was down the nearest health food shop and I was double dosing. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's... That, that might mean that you're then you've got too much of that particular mineral in your body or vitamin or whatever it might be. Okay, let's talk. Supplements are interesting, so let's talk about supplements for a second mm. because that usually is the go-to thing that people go right. I need to get hair supplements. Mm-hmm. So 
your body tends to have, uh, is very good at extracting nutrition from food. So nine times out of 10, you've got enough in your diet of whatever. Now, iron is probably the, the, um, the caveat to that because we do have quite low iron diets. And in some people, they don't tend to have enough protein in their diet. So mm-hmm. red meat, oily fish, eggs, those types of things. Um, but the vast majority of the rest of the things that you hear about, selenium, magnesium, mm-hmm. biotin, oh God, biotin doesn't do anything. These types of things tend to um, be available in your in your diet naturally. Mm. Now, hair loss tends to affect, or nutrition tends to affect hair loss when you've got a deficiency. So, when you've got uh, a, something in your body which isn't quite where it should be, mm-hmm. where your levels are low. Yeah. So, what doesn't happen is if you take over and above that, you don't supercharge your hair. It just takes what it needs. It just takes what it needs okay. and you urinate and defecate the rest of it out. So taking a superfood for hair doesn't work. Taking mm. a superfood for anything doesn't work because your body just has optimum levels. Even antioxidants, you know, we're, we're mad on antioxidants at the moment. They just peak and fall back to your natural levels as soon as you've stopped eating them. So okay. all those types of things, your body naturally regulates itself as long as you've got a, a balanced and varied diet. I mean, the the um, I would probably say that you probably need supplements if you've got a restricted diet. Mm-hmm. Vegetarianism needs to be aware of. Veganism, mm-hmm. we've seen a lot of people come in who have, have turned vegan and then after six months, a year, the hair starts shedding because the food groups that they're, they're using, either it's not balanced enough or they're not taking supplements. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be very, very careful when you're um, excluding your meats and your, your um, dairy products. But for the vast majority, you do need a blood test to actually figure out what you're low in rather than just mm. wolfing down loads of supplements and hoping that blunderbuss approach will will click on something. And it's interesting. I've had uh, nutritionists on this show in the past and they say supplements are all well and good, but only if you're not getting those things from your diet for whatever Indeed. reason. Yeah. So and you're just backing that up. Like I said, I have a protein supplement. I think it's great. I researched it for years but when people come in and go, right, have you, what type of diet that you got? And they go, I'm a vegetarian. So, right, you need to increase your proteins in your diet. Or if you're that way inclined, if you're lazy, you're busy, take a protein supplement. Mm-hmm. But, you, but I'd rather them get it naturally than actually take the supplement. Mm-hmm. It's, it's only fair. It's only right. Okay. There's no magic. There's no magic formula. I mean, you'll probably find these these supplements that have these magic things, and you've got these key ingredients, which are the made up names, just to hide the stuff that they've put in it, and the, what they've put in it is just natural stuff. Right. Okay. Well, that's one element of it. So I yeah. think we've kind of established where you stand on those. Let's talk about the care side of it, because. I I can even tell you that a little while ago I read an article that said that. Um, Oh, it was a beauty director I hugely respect who said, oh, this brush is the best brush you will ever use. Um, Brush your hair a hundred times and it'll never look better. So I did. My hair looked absolutely terrible because we have fundamentally (laughs) very, very different hair types. And it was another salutary lesson of don't do everything you read. But we are all guilty of it, or I certainly am. Um, So... We've talked about brushing the hair and the mechanical, like using something like Tangle Teaser, which is the the fine and fragile, which is softer, which is proven. What is it to, I believe I've seen the data, which is something like 
it is proven to five times less breakage after over a certain amount of time. The details will be in the show notes, listeners. I haven't seen the details. But, yeah. <laughs> but, um, but that's a step. You, we're talking about the care side of it because yeah. obviously going and seeing a trichologist might not be something that can happen in the short term. We're rare. And good trichologists are very rare. So, yes. you know, finding the right person is difficult. But the reason I want to focus on care is because that's something somebody could start doing immediately whilst listening to this podcast. Absolutely, yeah. So we're talking about brushing, using a brush that is gentle. Yeah. What about heat styling? What's the issue with heat styling and thinning hair? Okay, well, heat styling doesn't, again, brushing your hair with a bad brush or heat styling doesn't cause hair loss. It causes hair breakage. Mm -hmm. So you're breaking the fibres which have already grown. Mm -hmm. So that's almost as bad Mm -hmm. because you had a couple of hairs less when you started brushing your hair than when you finished with it. So Mm -hmm. it's... so. The, the same types of principles apply that you've got to treat your the fibers like a piece of clothing. If, would you iron your top every single day on the highest heat <laughs> if it was looking a bit fragile and you've already bleached it and colored it and bleached it and colored it? Mm. You wouldn't. You'd, you'd take a little bit more care about your favorite top. You'd go, well, I've damaged it because I've changed its color several times. But you wouldn't put the iron on like super high heat and then mm. steam iron it every single day. But that's what people do with their hair because they think it repairs itself or they think that these products that you put on it repair it. So yeah. it's important to realise that if you're using a very harsh brush or an old brush that's worn, then that's going to cause breakage. If you um, use straighteners, which are around about over 180 because that 180 keratin starts to melt. Mm. So anything over 180, that can cause hair damage. Anything under 180, it's okay, but don't do it every single day. Hair dryers. Hair dryers are usually designed to operate probably about six inches away from your hair. Exactly. That look on your face, (laughs) it proves my point. Now, what usually people do is they put the (laughs) nozzle straight onto the hair as they're blow drying it. So what that does is it... It melts the bristles of the hair, of the brush, sorry. Mm. And also it what it occludes the nozzle. So what that does is it superheats the air which is coming out right. of the nozzle. So a, 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 a hairdryer that which is usually about 90 degrees, it probably shoot up to about 150, 170, right. which is not great for the hair repeatedly. And right. then you've got the action of tearing through the hair with an old brush. Mm. So you've got to take all of those into consideration mm-hmm. with caring for your hair. Now, like I said before, if you if you start tomorrow to care better for your hair, of course it's going to be better in the long run. Mm-hmm. It's not going to miraculously change your hair, but it's definitely going to look better and feel better six months on. Mm-hmm. But it is a really, it's a commitment. Mm. So, Well, one of the questions I wanted to come on to actually was, uh, is genetic hair loss something that all of us listening taking part in this podcast are likely to experience as we get older and I think potentially you're going to say some of us will be affected but I guess what I'm asking is if you really ramp up the care part now are you protecting yourself against that later on um 
if you ramp up the care pack, your hair will always look better than it would have done anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's not going to affect genetic hair loss because what that is is a a miniaturization of the hair follicle from androgen sensitivity. Mm -hmm. A brush isn't going to do anything for that. Mm -hmm. But the hair which grows it will look and feel better in the long run if you're using something which is kinder and gentler so you're talking about a better condition of hair in the long run if you if you are caring for yeah, it absolutely so Fire. you can say that you so you can say that the condition of the hair is going to going to be better but will you have more hair because of it mm. probably not it's a bit of a stretch but genetic hair loss is very very common in men i mean looking at my hair would you say that i suffer from genetic hair loss or i do not suffer from genetic hair loss Listeners, this is an audio platform, so I'm going to say that Ian does have a rather healthy-looking head of hair. So I would say no. Okay. Well, you'd be wrong. I do suffer from genetic hair loss, because genetic hair loss is a spectrum. So if I'm, I'm going to hold my hair, let's see, I've got an irregular hairline, it's a little bit squiggly, I've got these recessions here. Now, again, going back to that psychological phenomenon, you thought I had normal hair, mm. you know? perfectly normal, not genetic hairs, but my hair is what's called a stage two Hamilton Norwood, which means that I've got the first signs of genetic thinning. Sounds like an expensive piano. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's So genetic hair is a spectrum. So somebody, and just about everybody will suffer from that at some point in their life to some degree. Mm-hmm. It shouldn't be called genetic hair in some cases, age-related thinning is probably a better term, mm. that your the cells that create your hair just slow down the way that the rest of your body slows down. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, the majority of people's hair, as they get older, will thin. There's not very many people that get away with exactly the same amount of hair that there was you know, in their teens, which when it gets super Except thick. rock stars. I do want to understand what the phenomenon is that means that all rock stars, pretty much all of them, haven't gone bald. Well, that's probably with some medication. We help. might have to take yeah. that offline. But yeah. this is always a phenomenon. Hard living, you le- you keep your hair. Well, yeah, but they've also got... Um, you'll probably find that a lot of them have either had surgery, unbeknownst to you, because mm. all, all the surgery now is very, very good. You, don't, you, you can't see the difference between mm. hair which has been surgically implanted and not. It's not that doll's head look that you get in the 80s. Um, and also, a lot of people are on finasteride. Now, finasteride is a medication that 66% of the uh, population of, of male adults, they will be able to maintain their hair, stroke, grow some density back. And that will maintain until they, they stop taking it. So there'll be a lot of people that go, actually, my hair's oh, like, I will, at some point, I'll probably put myself on finasteride when I feel as though I don't want to lose any more hair. And at that point, everybody will go, wow, you've got really good hair when I'm in my 60s, but really, unbeknownst to them, I'll be taking something for it. So you don't know the backstory of these people. Okay, and that's great for men. Yeah. There, is, there, isn't, there isn't an equivalent for women. Women are far more complex. That's the problem. And you've, Yeah, so <laughs> the good news is that although there's more things that can, in, you know, in fact, it comes break down, mm-hmm. there's more things that you can fix. Right, okay, yeah, as you explained earlier. With, ge- with genetic hair loss in men, it's genetic hair loss. Mm. Then you've got two options of medication. If none of those work, then that's it. The, mm. you, you're going to go bald or you're going to go thin to some degree. With women, 
there is, uh, you can go on to antiandrogens. Uh, after the menopause, you may be able to go on to HRT, which is, a, mm-hmm. which is a, an estrogen um, hormone, replacement hormone replacement therapy. So those things, because it's usually the testosterone which is having an impact on the miniaturization of the hair. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of more things that you can correct in women rather That's, than... I find that really comforting. I genuinely do. You go back to diagnosis again. Yeah, it I, all goes back to diagnosis. I hope you feel the same way, listeners. And I wanted to end on, um, when we talk about hair loss, hair thinning, we often focus on the roots. So we think about topical things that we might be able to put on our scalp, etc., etc. But really this focus on the whole length of the hair. And one of the things that I was told when my hair was thinning was cut it short, then it won't be so heavy and it won't tug. <laughs> We need to do a podcast on hair myths because <laughs> there's a million out of there of them out there, and that's just ridiculous. I mean that. So your your a single strand of hair gets so heavy it pulls itself out. It doesn't make sense, does it? Really? When you well, say that, like, no, it, it's your hair can actually withstand a huge amount of pressure. Um, it's it's as almost as strong as copper wire, tensility wise. Wowzers. It's, you know, you can suspend, you know, uh, theoretically, if you've got a good head of hair, you can suspend several cars off uh, an intertwined weft of hair. It is resilient in pressure-wise. So to say that it's it's too long and therefore it's pulling out is ridiculous. Um, But these are the hair myths that tend to perpetuate from usually hairdressers, unfortunately. Uh, But they listeners, (laughs) Ian used to be a hairdresser. I did used to be a hairdresser, and you can trash talk hairdressers because you were one. The problem is with hairdressers is that they're what what I learned that they are empirically taught, which means that the person that taught them was taught by somebody that taught them, and the, the stuff gets. The information gets passed down from person to person. And at some point you need to inject new information and new technology, new science, etc. So that the information is fresh. Yeah, the information tends to get manipulated though. Um, So all these things do tend to... The, the big thing nowadays is oils. Everything, everybody, everything's got an, got an oil that can repair hair and things like that. And you know, oil molecules, when you look at them, are bigger than water molecules. Most people understand that because mm-hmm. oil floats on water. Our skin has been um, millennia in the process of becoming water resistant. So when we go in the bath, we don't absorb all the water. We 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 don't turn into these these giant globules, which are and takes days to actually uh, to to evaporate out of us. Exactly. So we know that our our skin is pretty water resistant, Mm. but we think oil actually absorbs into our skin. You should have to sit down with Nadine Bagger. <laughs> it, it, it doesn't make sense. So these types of things are just bizarre. Mm. Um, but no, your hair is... All the action takes place at the hair bulb papilla. And that is, it's a collection of very fast dividing cells that push all these hair follicles, that, uh, the, these, these proteins out. Mm. And as soon as it leaves the hair bulb papilla, it becomes a protein fiber. It becomes more like spider silk than a, a part of our body. Mm-hmm. When it leaves the scalp, that's when we can start doing things to it. Mm-hmm. And that's when it starts getting roughened. And when it starts getting roughened, it starts getting damaged. Mm. So that hair which leaves the scalp is the best quality hair. 
But from there on in, it's what you do to it which counts. Exactly. So this is where this is what's really fundamental, and what I hope I've definitely taken away, and what I hope you take away from this, listeners. Diagnosis, finding out if there is really an issue, absolutely, and if there is one, what might be the suitable course of action. But also fundamentally, it's really important that we care for the hair as soon as it turns into that. Spider, what did you say, spider silk? Like a, like a spider silk, <laughs> yeah. So make sure that you've got a kind brush. Make sure that you've got something that isn't going to, to rip your hair mm. out. Make sure that you reduce the bleaching and the perm and the chemical products. Make sure that you don't set your heat straighteners to 130 degrees. Mm. You don't need it. 130 or 230? Sorry, 230. Did I say 130? 130 is fine. 230 is uh, <laughs> different. Um so make sure that you start caring for your hair mm. like you do your, uh, your best piece of clothing. Right. And I then know. that will actually set you up in the future for better hair than what you've got now. Amazing. What a lovely note on which to end. Thank you so much. I do feel like we should do hair myths. Definitely. I feel oh. like I've heard them all. <laughs> hair, hair myths is fun. <laughs> we'll have to do it when you're when you're in a very zen space because we could get quite cross <laughs> I, I get animated <laughs> yeah nothing wrong with animation Ian thank you so much listeners the links to everything will be in the show notes which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode of the podcast but for now thank you Ian Salas you're welcome Thank you so much for listening. Before you go, I just wanted to remind you that it couldn't be any easier to get in touch with me. Email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com or why not send me a DM on Instagram or Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. And if you want to have a conversation, not just with me, but with other listeners of the show, why not click the link in the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and join that closed Facebook group. That's where a lot of discussion is happening about all of the episodes as well as other topics and other things that keep coming up. So join that group, send me an email, drop me a DM, whatever feels right. I cannot wait to hear from you. I will see you on the next one. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 